The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. I am professional wrestler Chris Rex, and if you're hearing my voice, that means you're listening to the Bear of Texas podcast. What is going on, my beautiful people? This is Alex Alcazaz, a.k.a. the Bear of Texas, and this is Into the Net FC, the Soccer Talk discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, after being forced to wait an extra year, God knows how excited I was when Euro 2020, technically 2021, but I'm still going to call it 2020, finally kicked off. Unfortunately for me, I had to wait... A few extra days for my national, uh, excuse me, for my national team to play its first opening game, which they did play today, and I will get to that later. But ladies and gentlemen, overall, I was just so excited for European international soccer to be back. And the fact that I had to wait an extra year, well, I had to bottle up all that extra excitement with the emotions, and so far, well... I'm really loving what I'm seeing, especially so far from a bit from my national team. But again, we'll get to that to to you soon. First thing I'm going to have to talk about is none other than Mr. Christian Eriksen. Now, mind you, ladies and gentlemen, I actually was not watching that game. As a matter of fact, I was working on some other stuff. I get a notification on Twitter... That my good friend and my mentor, who's a constant guest on this show, Steve Adams, who, by the way, I regret to inform you, is not with me this week, tagged me in a tweet about a, about Christian Eriksen falling down. Okay, technically, I was informed that a Danish player had to be performed CPR on, and I was like, "Holy shit, this is not good, not good at all." And not long after. One of my fellow sports writers with Primetime Sports Talk, Mr. Brady Podlowski. I hope I, I hope I pronounced that correctly. Sorry, Brady. He informed me that Christian Eriksen went down. He asked me if I was aware of it. I said, no, I'm not watching the game. I'm not aware of it. Can you keep me posted? Which he did. Thank you very much, Brady. I really appreciate that. But man... Erickson just went down, and I, and I stopped what I was doing. I needed to, to get some insight. I need to see what the hell was going on. I'm sorry, y'all, but this is just what I do. This is just one of my habits. When something in, in, huge in soccer goes down, whether it's good or bad, I tend to stop what I'm doing, and I, and I want to find out what the hell is just going on. So that's what I did. So I eventually find out. That at first, it just says something happened, and he's been... Taken to the hospital, the match was stopped and suspended. But then they and then they show a picture a picture from him appearing to be uh, conscious again, and of course he's being uh, stretchered out of the uh, out of the arena. He was taken to the hospital. I think about a about two hours later, it just says that he just collapsed. That he just collapsed, still no reason. But then eventually there was a reason. 
I'm not exactly sure how to what the reason was, but he just collapsed. Although there was a report that he apparently did not take the COVID nineteen shot, the uh, the vaccine shot, apparently. But I don't know whether or not it has anything to do with what happened to him. The bottom line is all I know is that he collapsed on the pitch. He was unconscious. And I swear, folks, there was a, a source that said that he was, quote, gone for a few minutes before he was apparently resuscitated and brought back. Look, I don't know what happened. All I know is that something happened to him. It's bad. And it's very clear to say that he's out for the tournament. And it's unclear when he will return to the game. I mean, what happened is bad. But, you know, and, and I spoke to this with Steve because when we found out that the game was to resume... Steve was obviously not in favor of that. For me, I didn't feel like it was a good thing for the Danish team because based on what just happened, I don't think any player on the pitch is in any condition, physically and mentally, to play the game. But the game went on, and unfortunately in Denmark's case, they didn't win. Finland would score, Denmark was awarded a penalty, but they failed to convert, Finland wins. Ladies and gentlemen, I will not take anything away from the Finnish national team. They played great. They earned the win. But like Steve said, it's very unfortunate that a huge moment for the Finnish national team has come for a very devastating moment for the Danish national team. And I spoke to Brady, and Brady actually informed me that it was Christian Eriksen himself who told the players to keep playing, to to finish the game. I chose not to look just to verify to make sure that it was confirmed because, you know what, at that point, it made very little difference. But now that I see it, because, you know, I was kind of scared, okay, because when a player just collapses and we don't know why, and as far as we know, he had not been suffering any ill effects, you know, coming up to the game, you know, it's confusing as hell. But if Christian Eriksen did tell his teammates to, to play the game and finish it, I totally respect that. Absolutely, I do. Because Christian Eriksen, the guy I know I'm very familiar with, plays for Tottenham. A very good player, I might add. A very underrated player, I might add. If he personally begged his teammates, please, guys, play the game. Let's finish what we started. I have nothing but respect for that. But, of course, I still say maybe the game should, should have been postponed and, play, and finished at a later date. But if Christian Eriksen gave his teammates the courage and motivated them to finish the game... Well, that's that, and I totally respect it. Unfortunately, again, Denmark did not win their opening game. I just hope that Denmark can recover. I'm sure they're going to be okay. Christian Eriksen, my, my thoughts and prayers are with you, and I wish the guy nothing but a speedy recovery. And I'm going to be honest, folks. I try not to get emotional in, in this, but... So, so I missed that game. I was actually... Uh, Take care of, you know, I was dropping off a friend. I actually dropped off a friend about uh, 70 miles from where I live. Uh, he was actually going on vacation to Windstar, uh, Windstar Rural Casino up north, and uh, I didn't mind driving, you know. I, I like being a good friend. I like taking care of my friends. That's just the kind of guy I am. But anyway, you know, so far my picks in the, in, in the, in the opening games have not gone so well. Obviously, I got my first pick right. I did. I did pick Italy to beat Turkey, although I certainly didn't didn't uh, predict for Italy to win three to nothing, because I would tell people, look, this Turkish team, it's pretty freaking good. Let's not forget in the Euro qualifiers they beat France two nothing at home, and they forced France into a one one draw in France. So this Turkish team was able to challenge the defending world champions Les Bleus. And do well in the qualifying phase. Well then this Turkish team really has something to give. Unfortunately. You know for in Italy's case. Ever since they failed to qualify for the World Cup. And when they reappointed their new manager. Italy has done absolutely phenomenal since then. Absolutely phenomenal. As a matter of fact. I don't believe that Italy has lost the game. Since appointing their new manager. But this. A talent team, Le Asuri, is certainly playing phenomenally well. In my honest opinion, folks, Italy is one of the dark horses of this tournament. Another dark horse I have in mind is the Netherlands. And we'll speak about their opening game against Ukraine in a bit. 
of course, you know, for me, being a strong supporter of the French national team, it's not often you, you hear somebody who supports the French national team say much positive things about Italy. Let's, let's remember, folks. I'm a sports writer. I'm objective. I'm just going to tell it like it is, and Italy is a freaking good team. And Italy, Italy could pull off the upset. You never know. As a matter of fact, I predicted for France and Italy to meet in the semifinals. I think Italy could make it that far. And even if Italy loses in the semifinals, they have absolutely nothing to be ashamed of. They went from not qualifying for the World Cup to making it to the Final Four in the Euro Tournament to quickly rebuilding to playing exceptionally well. They deserve respect. Another game, Wales and Switzerland. Well, that's totally a game that I got wrong, but I feel like an idiot because of the way I picked it. Because I picked Wales to beat Switzerland. Should I say it's it's unfortunate that Wales couldn't get the job done well? It's probably unfortunate in my case because I got the pick wrong, but... For Wales, you know, for Wales to make an equal, for for them to trail um, after you know forty after after four nine minutes in the game, then they would they would equalize with about fifteen minutes to go. F- f- excuse me, fifteen minutes to go. Well, I can sh- I can say they have a little bit of resiliency, so I guess I can say it's not a total loss, not by a long shot. But now going on to Belgium versus Russia. Well, that's a game I totally got right. You know, as a matter of fact, I'm going to take it further. I exp- I actually predicted Romelu Lukaku to score the first goal of the tournament for, for Belgium. And I certainly did expect a 3 nothing win. Well, okay, no, no, no. All right, I'll be honest. No, I, to- I-, I totally made that up. I honestly believe that Russia was actually going to lose the game, but 3-1. to one. I was nice enough to give the Russians a goal. But Belgium proved the point in this game that Belgium... And, and this is actually, and I'm going to have to bring up something that Steve and I have spoken about in the past. The current generation for the Belgium national team, Euro 2020, is the final chance they have of winning any hardware for the current gold generation. I mean, Romelu Lukaku still doing good. You know, and I did notice Eden Hazard did not start this game, but that's no surprise because of the injury history. That's really been going on ever since he went to Real Madrid. And you know, I'm gonna be honest with you. For those of you who watched the game, Belgium versus Russia, I could not help but admire how amazing that Belgian kit looked. Absolutely phenomenal. But with Belgium winning three nothing, I mean, Belgium's certainly one of the favorites to win the Euro. As a matter of fact, Steve actually has Belgium winning it all. Belgium very could very well do it. I mean, Belgium is a loaded team, but again, with the current gener- current golden generation. This may be their final chance of winning a title. I'm going to go through these, all these other games. England beating Croatia 1-0. Well, considering that England, much like France, is a very loaded team, a win's a win. But I'm actually surprised that Croatia was not able to recover. I mean, Raheem Sterling scoring in the 57th minute... Croatia did play uh, have some solid uh, performance. You know, the England could have scored more, but I was certainly a little bit surprised to see England come up with only one goal. But then again, based on how my team played today, maybe I shouldn't really be talking now, should I? England is one of the favorites to win it. As a matter of fact, I'm going to let you all know this. I have France and England meeting in the final. A lot of people may not agree with me. Some people might say I'm absolutely crazy. Some might say I'm just plain stupid. I know that England, unfortunately, people like to give them a hard time. Okay. But there's no denying that the team is very good. They have talent. And they do have potential. Now, throughout their history, unfortunately, they do have a a reputation of, of crumbling under pressure. But in my case, I really shouldn't throw England under the bus because my national team, Les Bleus, France, they too have a, his, have a reputation of crumbling under pressure. Okay, But in my case, France has a, has a reputation of sometimes getting very arrogant and they know that it cost them, but apparently that's a lesson that sometimes you ask themselves, did you not learn anything from last time? That wasn't the case for France today, but again, we'll get to that to you soon. So England starts off with a win, and that's good. Okay, now let's move on. Austria, North Macedonia. Well, I'm going to be honest. I, another prediction I got wrong. And 
you know, and speaking of predictions, well, let me go. Okay, so I got Italy. The Italy and Turkey, I got that one right. So I was 1-0. And then Wales and Switzerland, got that wrong, 1-1. One and, one. and then Denmark and Finland, I'm 1-2. and two. Because I actually predicted a, a Denmark and Finland, I, I predicted, predicted a draw. But then I got to 2-2 two and two because I predicted Belgium. Now I'm 3-2 and two because I predicted England. But now I'm 3-3 three and three because I predicted a 1-1 one, one draw between Austria and North Macedonia. Now, North Macedonia... I said there's a good chance they could be the Cinderella team. Unfortunately, they lost 3-1, to one, and if they don't recover, then that Cinderella dream is certainly going to end quicker than expected. This North Macedonian team, you know, and I figured, you know, and I said there's a chance they could win because let's not forget, in a World Cup qualifying match against Germany, they won. They went to Germany and beat Germany 2-1 to one on the road in a World Cup qualifying match. Okay, and right now in, in Germany's group and World Cup qualifiers, they are in third place under Armenia and North Macedonia. And for this North Macedonian team, there's a story about a player who had been with the team for a long time. The team had never qualified for any major tournament. North Macedonia comes in and he scores its first goal in a Euro tournament. That I have to respect. Totally respect. So now I'm 3-3. Three and three. Okay. Now, for this game, well, the next two predictions I totally got right. Now we're going to go with the Netherlands versus Ukraine. Well, I didn't expect the Netherlands to blow a 2-0 lead. That's for sure. Netherlands was able to actually find a way to get it done despite, like, like I said, they took the lead in the 52nd minute, and six minutes later, it's 2-0. Okay, 75th minute, it's 2-1. And then four minutes later, Ukraine makes it 2-2. Two to two. What the hell did we just see? We just saw a Ukrainian team literally come right from behind and roar back against one of the European heavyweights. Yeah, a lot of people might not agree with me, but yeah, look, whether you like it or not, the Netherlands are one of the heavyweights of Europe. It's 2-2, two to two and, I, and, I, and I said to myself, wow, if this, Ukra- if this Ukrainian team can score one more goal and pull off an upset... Holy crap. That would have been something huge. That would have been a huge story for me now, wouldn't it? But it didn't happen. Because in the 85th minute, the Netherlands found the back of the net. They regained the lead, and they held on to the lead. (laughs) And I spoke to Steve about this, okay? And he basically has said the same thing that he has said before. Alex, there are consequences to where you have a huge lead, and as soon as you take the foot off the gas pedal, that can be a fatal mistake. In the Netherlands' case, it was a costly mistake, but not a fatal mistake, because the Netherlands recovered. Okay? And as far as the Netherlands goes, well, they could also be another dark horse. I mean, they are my second dark horse, as a matter of fact. Like I said, my main dark horses are Italy and the Netherlands. So now I'm four and three, okay? Excuse me. Now we get to Scotland and the Czech Republic. Well, the first thing we think about this game was how Scotland concedes a goal that was, like, I believe, from a little over 50 yards out and how the goalkeeper looked totally confused and even ran, ran to the net. He even got caught in the net, if I'm correct. It's really unfortunate, okay? I mean, I did pick the Czech Republic to win it, okay? But in Scotland's case, this is their first... Euro tournament since 1996. 1996. Okay. A 24 year drought. They qualify for the Euro. And I said to myself, this Scottish team better be motivated. They better be prepared. They better be willing to play hard. Because they're going to have to. Because I should mention, they are in the same group as their longtime historic rivals, folks England. Now, now, as far as the Czech Republic goes, unfortunately, when it comes to the World Cup, the Czech Republic does not have the best luck. But when it comes to the Euro, the Czech Republic does have a respectable history. Let's not forget, back in 1996, when the Czech Republic eliminated France and went to the final, although they lost to Germany, the Czech Republic has a respectable history. And the Czech Republic tends to do better in a Euro tournament. So for the Czech Republic, a 2-0 win over Scotland, well, that's definitely respectable for them, and they earned that win. Unfortunately for Scotland, it was a bad day at the office. This Czech player, Patrick 
Schick, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, scores in the 42nd minute and then has another goal 10 minutes later. I'm not going to take anything away from Scotland because I saw the highlights of this game. Scotland put pressure and tried to score and score and score. They had their chances. They just could not get it done. So Scotland did not give up. Scotland did their best. Unfortunately, they just could not get it done. But the big mistake was when that goal, conceding, it's just, it's, it's, it's pretty embarrassing, I'll be honest, okay? And it could very well be the goal of the tournament. It just might. So now I'm 5-3, and three, okay? Poland and Slovakia, well, a game I tried to watch, but I really just could not get into it, but I did, but I did see it, okay? Slovakia with a 2-1 to one win. What's interesting was that Slovakia takes the lead in the 18th minute, courtesy of an own goal. But then Poland equalizes quickly in the second half, okay? And I should mention this goal in the second half that Poland scored, I believe it was the fastest goal ever scored in the second half in the history of the Euro tournament. So as soon as I see that, I, I figure, okay, maybe we have a game after all. Maybe Poland could come back and win it. Maybe Poland can dominate the second half. Fortunately, Poland couldn't do anything, and Slovakia would take the lead in the in the in the 69th minute, and the rest is history. And in the 62nd minute, Poland was down one man after a red card was shown. So Slovakia takes that lead, okay. And now Slo- and Slovakia is now top of Group E. You know why? Because Spain and Sweden, who are also in Group E. Fought into a scoreless 0-0 draw But let me tell you this folks Because in that case It's basically a win for Sweden Because Spain dominated Everything in that match Okay, Everything Ball control You know, passes, dribbling Everything in the books Spain was in complete control But Spain couldn't get it done Unfortunately that's pretty embarrassing Okay, because I'm looking at the stats. 17 shots, 5 shots on target for the Spaniards, 86% ball possession, 917 passes, okay, and get this, 162 passes only for the Sweden national team. Sweden, only 162 passes, Spain with 917, and Spain just could not score. Okay, not not to mention the 86% ball possession, and then (laughs) that leaves only 14% for Sweden. Now, Steve made this abundantly clear before that sometimes ball possession is seen as very overrated. Just because a team has more ball possession doesn't mean that they dominate the game. In this game, it might be seen as a bit different. Okay. Because, like I said, Spain basically had everything on their their control, but they could not score. They just could not score. (laughs) So that's why I have to say, and you know, the fact that Sweden had four shots, only one shot on target... Again, 162 passes compared to 917 for Spain. That's definitely a win for Sweden. And now looking at that group, Sweden is, is uh, locked in third and you know Spain's up in second. Okay, but Slovakia is in the lead. So Slovakia have to be feeling pretty good about themselves right now. Well, they should. I mean, they did earn the win. Okay. But we're going to get to that. Okay. Because Slovakia has to play Sweden next. Sweden's going to have to get some momentum going, okay? They're going to have to get the momentum going. But I think Slovakia might be might be able to get this done. I mean, if Slovakia has two wins, okay, and Spain can beat Poland, if Slovakia has the, has the uh, excuse me, has two wins going into the final group game against Spain, Slovakia could possibly challenge the Spaniards. They could even pull off the upset. And Slovakia becomes the the surrender the Cinderella team of this tournament. You know, folks, there's a lot of times we predict a Cinderella team, but there's more often than not, the team that we predict is not the team that does it. The team that does it is a team that we never would have anticipated to be the Cinderella team. That's what it's all about. That's what that's what it's all about for being a Cinderella team. You make the surprises nobody saw coming. And I love it. Here we go. Hungary versus Portugal. Well, there's certainly a lot of things to say about Cristiano Ronaldo today. Number one, Cristiano Ronaldo is now the first player in European Championship history to appear at five different tournaments. 
His first one, of course, was in 2004, when Portugal hosted the tournament, made it to the final, only to lose to Greek. Well, there's the ultimate Cinderella team. That Greek national team that we saw at the Euro 2004, unbelievably amazing. Never seen such a solid defensive performance by that, by that Greek team. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a solid performance by any team. Greek eliminated France in the, in the quarterfinals, okay? Let's not forget that. And they beat Portugal on home soil 1-0 in the final. That Greek team from 2004 go, is remembered as one of the greatest of all time. Possibly the greatest Cinderella team of all time. I mean, a dark horse is, is not the way to say it. I'm sorry. They were a Cinderella team. That's arguable, but in my honest opinion, they were a Cinderella team because to say that they shocked the world, ladies and gentlemen, well, there is a major understatement for you right there. Anyway, back to Mr. Cristiano Ronaldo. Today against Hungary, his 39th appearance at a major tournament. For Portugal, that is an all-time record for a European player. And that overtakes the record held by none other than Bastian Schweinsteiger, who had 38 appearances for Germany. Totally amazing. Check this out. Portugal are the first team in European Championship history to score three goals in the final 10 minutes of a match. Because, yeah, this game, Hungary was literally, literally challenging so well. They were playing so well. They were holding the, the Portuguese back. The goalkeeper was making saves. The, the defense was solid and resilient. Okay. And it came to the point where Hungary apparently had scored only for the goal to be nullified by an offside. And then after that, all hell broke loose. Portugal scored and took a 3-0 win. Two of those goals, courtesy of Mr. Cristiano Ronaldo... And now Cristiano Ronaldo has become the first player in European Championship history to score 10 goals in the competition. That means that he officially overtakes the record previously held by none other than Michel Platini, who had the record of 9 goals. <laughs> you know, it's, and I was in a pub today. I was actually watching this game. I was in the pub today watching the France and Germany game, okay? And I was hanging out with, with, and I was hanging out with the French supporters. Of course I do. Of course I was. Well, of course I was hanging out with the French supporters. Why wouldn't I? And I remember one of the servers asking one of the French supporters about that, and <laughs> that supporter literally goes like, "Ah, eh, Michel Platini scored all nine in one tournament. It took Ronaldo f- four tournaments to do this." Uh, I mean, you can just tell that dude's been a French, as, as you know, watched the, the French national team for a long time. But then I had to get up and remind and ask, tell the guy it was actually five tournaments, not four. <laughs> of course, he looks at me and says, of course, he says it in French. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, look, yeah, it, it is true. Michel Platini's nine goals in, in a Euro, which was back in 1984, was all in one tournament. Of course, France went on to win that tournament. You know, France uh, hosting the 1984 Euro, and they won it, and they beat Spain in the final. This, unfortunately for me, this this was way before I was born. This was nine years before my birth. But so, uh, if you if you want to hear stories about the 1984 Euro, the best people to ask would be my dad, and of course that would be Steve, because I'm sure those two gentlemen remember this tournament very very well. Dad, if you're listening to this, I know you remember it well, because you always because you do you used to talk about it all the time when I was a kid. <laughs> Alright, went on. And more about Portugal. Check this out. Ronaldo is now the oldest player to score a brace in a European Championship match. Hmm. The previous record was by a Ukrainian player by the name of Andrei Shvenchenko, who was 35 years old and 256 days. Well, that's very interesting. All right, well, this game right here, you know, and I, I unfortunately missed the first half, okay, but I caught the second half, and I'm telling you, the way that the Hungarian team was defending, counterattacking, just being so resilient, I'm like, if this ends in a scoreless draw, that's a win for the Hungarians, okay. If, if Hungary pulls off a pulls off the win, well, that's certainly huge. That's probably the biggest win in the national team's history. 
But then with 10 minutes left in the game, Portugal finally woke up and finally decided to take the win, which they did. Unfortunately for Hungary, you know, this is the warning that Steve has warned about us about. He Again, he has made this abundantly clear. If you take your foot off the gas pedal, it's going to be a fatal mistake. Well, there's the fatal mistake that Steve has warned us about, folks. You concede three goals in the final ten minutes of the game. I mean, what's more humiliating, folks? The fact that you've allowed three goals or the fact that you allowed it in the final ten minutes of the game? For some people, it makes no difference. But for me, it doesn't matter. The point is, Hungary was doing fine until you know, the goal that they scored was nullified offside. And apparently, they let that affect them. And Portugal took full advantage of it. So, mad props to Portugal. And as far as Hungary goes, well... You know, Hungary is already is in a predicament enough of the fact that they're in a group with France, Germany, and Portugal. And they suffered a 3-0 loss. And they play France next, so... Well... We'll see. <laughs> now we get to the final match. The piece de résistance. France versus Germany. Les Bleus versus Die Mannschaft. I tell you what, folks. I was in a pub, okay, with my mom after a doctor's appointment. Yeah, <laughs> that was my day today. Doctor's appointment, then lunch with my mom, and then, you know, of course, she wants to watch the soccer game, okay? So we go, we go to the game, okay? I was nervous, okay? I was nervous because, of course, every time you play Germany, of course, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Everybody's saying Germany is not good anymore because ever since their disastrous title defense in Russia, Germany truly hasn't been the same. I mean, sure, Germany has not been great. They have fallen back and back and back. But you know what? Germany has always been known for having a winning mentality, okay? And that winning mentality can come back in the blink of an eye, especially if they play against France, because we all know that France has a habit of being arrogant, of coming into a game arrogant, okay? And that has proved costly in the past. And unfortunately, that's a lesson that in the past that they have not learned, okay? So I said to myself, if France come, comes in this game arrogant and weighing over their heads, then Germany is going to destroy them like that, Okay? Fortunately, France did not come in this game arrogant. As a matter of fact, it's quite the contrary. This France came in this game prepared, motivated, and fearless. Absolutely fearless. And we saw it based on how they played this match. No doubt about it. It was a very, very frustrating match for both sides. Especially France. Because not one, but two. Two goals taken away for offside. Okay. One of them was was a clear offside, but the but one of them when Kylian Mbappe scored, I'm sorry. Okay, <coughs> maybe I'm biased. I don't know. Okay, but it, it was a clear goal because what what really got me was the fact that as soon as Mbappe puts the ball in the back of the net, then the ref then the referee blows the whistle and then the side referee waves the you know lifts the flag. Why? Why wasn't that there before? Why do they have to wait until Mbappe puts the ball in the back of the net to find to take away the goal? I mean, come on, that's not cool. You know, like I said, I was watching this match. I I was on the side with the French supporters. We were all there like a family. We were all there, you know, having a good time. You know, that's how it is. We love watching soccer together. Okay, but it was not all that. Okay. And Mbappe really, you know, showed off his speed. Okay, now, if it was a huge mistake the French made in this game was when Adrien Rabiot plays, does a good play, but decides to take the shot himself. When Antoine Griezmann was clearly open, and Antoine Griezmann could have done it. And we saw Antoine Griezmann's reaction. Antoine Griezmann was frustrated. He was right there. All he needed was for Adrien Rabiot to make the pass. Griezmann would have taken care of the rest. But Adrien Rabiot decided to take in for himself, and the ball hit the the ball hit the crossbar. Oh boy, oh boy! I mean, that was frustrating to see, absolutely frustrating. Because because all the supporters that were there saw it. He they all said the same thing. He should have passed it to Antoine Griezmann. He definitely should have. The France already had the lead. Okay, the, France took the lead. I believe it was the nineteenth minute. 
if I remember correctly, pretty sure it was the 19th minute. Actually, okay, it was actually the 20th minute, but I'm, you know, but close enough. But it was, it was a known goal by the Germans. Mats Hummels, unfortunately, put the ball in the back of his own net. So France has the one thing lead early in the game. Okay, that gives the Germans approximately 70 minutes to find an equalizer and to find the lead. But that did not happen, folks. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, have you ever seen such a solid and dominant performance by a French defense before? I mean, the defense that I saw in this game was a whole lot better than the defense I saw in the semifinal match in the 2018 World Cup against Belgium. Unfreaking believable. Germany had their chances to score and could not do it. France had their ch- had their chances to add to the lead, but they could not do it. Okay, and I should mention Mbappe. You know that thing with Mbappe and Mats Hummels, whether it was a foul or not. I mean, it's going to be arguable. I mean, for me, I felt that I felt that it was a foul because Mbappe was tripped, but Hummels, of course, was going for the ball, so maybe that's why the referee didn't call it. I mean, I'm not going to take that from Hummels. Hummels made a great tackle. But regardless, I don't think it matters. I mean, uh, that's what my friend says. Look, it doesn't matter because because uh, France got the job done. So, but I'm telling you, folks, the way I saw a French defense be so resilient, so solid, so fearless, so motivated, you know, absolutely unbelievable. But it wasn't just the defense. The midfield, I swear, N'Golo Kanté and Paul Pogba, I swear to you, I'm, I mean, I'm <laughs> I'm such at a loss for words. I'm just so impressed. I'm speechless. I'm absolutely speechless. I don't even know what to say because anything I say is just nothing but an understatement. Pogba and Conte were amazing this game. That's an understatement. They were dominant. That's still an under- understatement. Or in the words of Wiley, a.k.a. the Ven Mystere, they were god tier. Well, that's still an understatement. There is nothing I can say about Pogba and Conte in this game that's going to be enough to describe just how amazing they were in this game. Paul Pogba. The way, when, when he plays for France, I mean, when he plays for France, that is not the Pogba we see when, when he's at Old Trafford playing for Manchester United. Now, why? That's arguable. I don't know. I mean, maybe because with France, it's, you know, it's, it's national pride. I mean, that, that could be the case. But clearly, I don't have an answer for you. Because anything I say is merely a theory. And a theory is really not a logical answer now. It's, it has a point. Maybe some people say you have some good points. But if it's not logical enough to give a clear answer, then it's merely a theory. Okay. So I can give you guys a bunch of theories. But again, what you have to remember is it's merely just a theory. I mean, this French team... To start off, you know, to be in a group with Germany and Portugal, that's brutal enough for the for the defending world champions. But one of the but the server who who served me, okay, she said, "Well, Alex, it is about keeping the game. It is about keeping the tournament interesting, right?" And I said, "Well, of course, but we want it to be interesting more in the knockout stage. But for her, it's about being interesting the entire tournament. She doesn't like it when the group stage has quote boring games." I mean, she loves soccer, too. So, you know, her point is, is totally valid. Okay. We're seeing how France and Germany really have quite the history. Okay. And that France was coming to, coming to this game on a five-game undefeated streak against Diamondschaft. And the fact that Germany had never, ever, ever lost an opening game in the European Championship, a lot was at stake. Okay. So France with a one nothing win. We can't take anything away from Libre. But at the same time, we can't take anything away from Dan Munshaft. I wrote an article with Primetime Sports Talk. And that one of the keys to victory for France was to keep the pressure low and apply the pressure back on the Germans. There's no doubt in my mind, okay? And it's clear. If you saw this game, you know it. Germany applied pressure, especially in the second half. I mean, the second half was dominated by the Germans, okay? It's just like, like I said, that that solid and resilient defense in midfield is what continually frustrated the Germans. So France kind of got in their head. They got in the Germans' head, 
and Germany just could not re- recover from it. Germany was under pressure, but I wouldn't say they crumbled under pressure. It was an early mistake that cost them the win, of course, and they could not equalize. But the way I see it is that it's like this. Germany applied pressure, but France was no fear. They were fearless. It was like they were literally challenging the Germans to put the pressure on them. Because France knew that no matter how much pressure the Germans were going to put on them, France knew, they were confident that they would find a way to counter it. And that's exactly what they did. It's not so difficult for me to give credit to both teams. Again, I'm a sports writer. It's my job to be unbiased. It's my job to be objective. But in this game, I'm going to go way over the book. I'm going to give more credit to both teams than I can. Both teams played hard. They played their hearts out. Okay? Now, this game certainly had some controversy. I mean, especially when Benjamin Pavard got hit in the head in that game in that by that German player. Now, truth be told... I don't want to say that it was a dirty hit, look. Because when I think of dirty hits, I mean, the German national team doesn't really come to mind. I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe, I mean, I'm sure that every every player from every national team at one point in history has committed a very dirty hit. I knew that the Germans were frustrated, and they were trying to score. At every chance they got, they, they couldn't do it. So, so, understandably, they were frustrated. But there was times, like, you know, especially there was a time where Luca Hernandez and another player um, got tangled up. The German player fell and accidentally kicked him in the head. But that was pretty painful, but, you know, that was totally not intentional. Now, as far as the hit on Benjamin Pavel goes, that's, arg- that's arguable. Some say it was intentional. Some say it wasn't. For me, I just say the German player obviously was going for the ball, but he took a very unnecessary, risky approach, and he shouldn't have done it. But what really frustrated the French, the French supporters, especially me, was that the German player got got off scot free, no yellow card, no nothing. But like I said, you know, anything I can say about this thing too, it's all just a bunch of theories because you know, we'll never know. I mean, at this point, it doesn't matter because France won, and Benjamin Pavel was apparently, according to a source, he was quote knocked out for about fifteen seconds. But the fact that he got up eventually and then he immediately continued in the game. I really asked myself, was the dude legitimately knocked out? I mean, I figured if he was knocked out, maybe he would have been taken out of the game. Or maybe he would have gone under the concussion protocol. Nope. They came to him, the trainers came to him. I mean, I, there was actually a shot of, of him being splashed with water. Or, you know, whatever that thing they have. <laughs> so I don't know what happened to Papa. All I know is the dude got up and stayed in the game. So... Benjamin Pavel, that tells me that that dude is one tough son of a gun. Okay? If he got hit in the head and he got knocked out, but he told the, he told Didier Deschamps, now I'm fine, to keep you in the game. I mean, that you have to applaud. He was not going to go down. He was not going to give up. Benjamin Pavel is a very, very amazing player. And God, I should say, is the dude's underrated. So, I mean, much of the French defense is overrated. You know, one might say that Luca Hernandez is criminally underrated. But man, the, a friend, the, the four defenders said, Rafael Varane, Luca Hernandez, Presnel Kipembe. Just name a few. Those guys are amazing. Okay. And I'm, I'm sorry, my mind kind of blanked out, so I kind of forgot who the fourth defender was. It was a, of oh, course, oh, I just spoke about it, I forgot his name. So if, let me try this again, shall we? Shall I? A four defender set: Rafael Varane, Presnel Kipembe, Luca Hernandez, and Benjamin Pavard. Absolutely amazing. Okay. And the, you know, and I, I like I like the formation that that Didier Deschamps utilized. Okay. It says here it was a four by three by three. Okay. But I swear to God, I looked on my phone and I thought the formation was different. So. But it really makes no difference because, you know, the, the, the team was just so balanced that, again, there's nothing but positivity for the, from the, for the French national team. So, But I'm going to go ahead and confirm because I swear to God I saw it different on my app. Yep, okay. It was actually, it was 4x3x3. Three three. So you yeah, have four defenders, three midfielders, and three strikers. Okay. It was certainly good to see Karim Benzema play. Unfortunately, his he had a goal, but it was a nullified for offside, but... But Ben Zima looked really good, making some passes, you know, like that. And 
I mean, the whole team looks good. But the final thing I want to address from the French national team was like actually a couple days ago, there was apparently a rift between Olivier Giroud and Kylian Mbappe. Mbappe had had a conference, you know, like supposedly like a day or two after the whole uh, thing uh, where he was so frustrated he wanted to have a conference of his own. But Mbappe looked good out there, you know, looked focused, you know, was had his speed, you know, was handling the ball well, you know, made a couple of threats to score. But unfortunately, one of his goals was was unfairly and incorrectly taken away. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I might be being biased about this, but no, I don't mean I don't. Mbappe's goal should have counted. In my honest opinion, it should have counted. But I'm, I know Mbappe is going to be okay. But anyway, so mad props to France. Mad props to Germany for one hell of a game. Both sides, you know, and, and for Germany, you know, and I spoke to a friend of mine who's a strong supporter of the German national team. And he said that Germany has really nothing to be ashamed of. And he's absolutely right. And I'll say this. The way Germany played the game well, the way they had, everybody was on, seemed to be on the same page, there was team chemistry, there was, you know, so much strength. Germany is beginning to... Sh- okay, maybe I should say Germany showed signs of their old self. It's too early to say they are really showing signs. Germany just looked good in this game. That's all I can say. So that wraps that up. Again, ladies and gentlemen, I, I truly regret to inform you that Steve isn't here with me today. I really wish he was, but, you know, you know, this is Father's Day week, so, you know, his daughter is visiting him, so I totally respect that. You know, Steve's family means a whole lot, means, uh, means a lot to me, so. So now looking at these other games, I'm just going to go to the ones that are truly interesting. Well, Denmark and Belgium, well, unfortunately for Denmark... The tournament might be over. There's no way they can beat Belgium. Now I'm looking at Ukraine and North Macedonia. I think Ukraine takes that one. Italy versus Switzerland. Mm. Oh, it's definitely going to be Italy. Now Turkey and Wales. i got to go with Turkey. And then Finland and Russia. I'm definitely going to go with Finland on that one. I'm take- And I'm taking a, risk- a risky approach on that one. I'm going to go with Finland. So even these interesting games. Well, check this out. England versus Scotland. Well, the fact that Scotland's coming off a bad game, I hate to say because I was actually, I actually am rooting for Scotland in, in this tournament, but I can't see them beating their longtime rivals, England. So I think England wins. England wins three to one. But I'm nice enough to give Scotland one goal. And it's Croatia versus the Czech Republic. Now, that one's going to be interesting, but I think that one's going to be a tie, a one-one tie. Sweden versus Slovakia. You know what? Might as well go through them all. Slovakia is going to win that one comfortably. Hungary versus France. France should win that one comfortably, but you know, when we t- then again, let's let's not forget France has a habit of being arrogant. So, so France can come to this game focused and hungry to play. Then France can you know win this game comfortably. Portugal versus Germany. Well, 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 well. Oh, you know what? Let, let me get. To, let me save that one for last. Spain versus Poland. Nah, I think Spain wins that one. Now Portugal versus Germany. I did say that Germany are showing signs of their old self. Portugal has never been this good before. Never been such a loaded team. Of course, my favorite player from Manchester United, my man Bruno Fernandes is part of that team. Of course, there's the likes of Rafael Guerrero. Of course, Cristiano Ronaldo. This Portuguese team is loaded. Now, the German team is also loaded with talent, too. Now, this game is going to be really interesting. Germany cannot afford another loss. If Germany loses this game, they are out of the tournament. And I mean out. Germany is going to have to find a way to win. If Germany can expose Portugal and destroy them, that's going to be a huge game changer. But I don't think that's going to happen. I do believe Germany can win the game. But it's not going to be easy for them. Portugal is good. Whether you like it or not, you, you can't deny the fact that Portugal is an amazing team. Okay, they beat France in the final in the Euro five years ago, even though Ronaldo got hurt early on in the game. Okay, and then they went on to win the, the Nations League title in 2019. Unfortunately, the World Cup uh, campaign in, Ru- in Russia didn't end so well. But Portugal is stronger than ever. Germany, like I said, may is starting to show some signs of their old self. Okay. Well, maybe it's too early. But again, you know, Germany really looked like their old self in, in that game. They just didn't win. So the game, Portugal versus Germany, in my honest opinion, it could go either way. 
My gut tells me that Portugal on paper is, is only going to win, but I would not count out the Germans. So I think this game could either be a win for Portugal, a win for the Germans, or a, or a tie. And as, as, as far as I know, if the Germans are licking their chops and they're truly motivated to come from behind and win, and since I know that the Germans cannot find themselves, allow themselves to, to lose two games because that means they're out of the tournament, I think Germany is going to win this game. I think Germany is going to win 2 nothing. Ladies and gentlemen, Into the Net FC is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and YouTube. I thank you all very, very much for joining me. Y'all enjoy the second group stage games, and I will see you next time. Peace out, everybody. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.